All right, we're continuing our uh, look and study of uh, the prayer of Jesus found in John 17. This is at the end of his upper room discourse uh, preceding his death and on the cross and then his resurrection on Easter Sunday. And as we've looked into this, uh, this prayer, we find certainly the heart of Jesus as he prays to the Father. And Jesus' heart is definitely, as we started that prayer, looking at the fact that he prays for glory, the glory of God, and the God to show himself as, as worthy and, and to bring praise to him. And so as we pray, we pray that the Lord would be glorified in our lives as we point to him. You know, as we continue to read and think on this high priestly prayer of Jesus, there's something I have observed in his praying, um, and something I've sort of wrestled with in my lifetime when it comes to prayer. Um, sometimes you notice when we pray, it's almost like we're telling God what's going on. And I've often thought about that. Well, he already knows. <laughs> you know, why do we have to inform God of what's going on? But Jesus prays that way. Do you notice that as he's praying? Matter of fact, as we get into today, we're going to be starting at verse 13. And you will notice uh, that Jesus is basically telling God what he's done, God the Father. Of course, Jesus, God himself. But he's telling him what is going on. He's telling him uh, what's been happening, what he's done, the things that he's taught, all of these things. And as I thought about that, that's some clarification. And maybe you're way ahead of me. You already have this. But, uh, you know, when we're talking with someone in a relational setting, it is talking about what's going on, right? I mean, we do this at our house. I mean, often, and we don't do it enough probably, but often we'll sit down and we'll, we'll say, well, what, well what's, what's happened today? <laughs> what, what's been going on? Now, we're not, uh, you know, omniscient and know what each other have done <laughs> like the Heavenly Father does. On the other hand, the relationship is deepened as we share life together. Prayer is a time of relationship building with the Heavenly Father. He, he really wants to hear from us. He wants it to be a conversation like we would have with anyone that's really special to us. And so Jesus demonstrates that, certainly in his relationship with the Heavenly Father, as we look at this prayer. He certainly asks for things, and, and certainly prayer is a very clear opportunity for us to ask the Father. And he wants us to, to come and to ask. But he certainly, Jesus, spends quite a bit of time telling the Father what he's done, what he's observed, in addition to what he wants. In our prayer life, may we not just be asking God, may we be sharing our life, our deepest thoughts, our feelings, our challenges. Now, we're continuing today, sort of similar to what we talked about last week, as we talk about Jesus praying for those who are His. And we'll find even next week, as we continue on, that, that the, the focus again at the end of the prayer is on those who are His. And so we have that, and in the midst of His praying for those who are His, and praying for His disciples, and praying for those who will become believers after His disciples, uh, that he has right at that time, Jesus continues to show special ingredients of the relationship we have with him 
in this prayer. And we find that today. And he gives us great insight. So let's read this passage. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. John chapter 17, verses 13 through 19. Now I am coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them in this world, so they would be filled with my joy. I have given them your word, and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world, and I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. Jesus begins this section by again reiterating, and remember the uh, disciples are listening to him prayer, him pray, but, but he said this so many times in this teaching, this discourse, I'm leaving. <laughs> I'm going to be with the Father. And of course, throughout that, he continued to say, I'm sending the Holy Spirit for you. Jesus again reiterates that in his prayer. I'm coming to you, Father. I- I'm coming back. And in the midst of this, we find right after that, of course, he mentions that the world hates the disciples because they don't belong to the world and uh, all of those things. But before that, notice what he says. I told them many things while I was with them in this world so they would be filled with my joy. Jesus says, I told the disciples many things, my teachings, my time with them, my interaction with them, and he tells why. Isn't it interesting? He gives that real clarity here in this prayer. So that they would be filled with my joy. I mean, we might say, well, Jesus taught us all these things so we would know how to obey God. Okay, well, sure. Okay. Jesus taught us all these things so he would know the right way to live. Well, sure. But Jesus says, I taught them all these things so that they would be full of my joy. Uh, when I was president of China Outreach Ministries, um, I went away for a time of prayer. Um, it was actually part of a strategic planning time for our board and for our ministry. And so I was going away to pray to really kind of gain some insight for what we should be doing next. Uh, what should be our plans for the future? And, and so, you know, that's kind of an awesome responsibility. You're supposed to go away to pray and come back with this uh, Moses experience or whatever, all right? You know, kind of put the veil on so the glow doesn't go away, all that kind of thing. But anyway, uh, so I'm there, and uh, the thing that I was impressed with was that the joy of the Lord is really the key to ministry. So I come back and I share this with our board chair and I share this with, uh, and, and, I, and, and I really didn't get much response at all. I thought, boy, that was a real flop. I mean, it didn't real sound real strategic. I mean, if, you, you know, if you're trying to make a plan for a business, that doesn't sound like much of a business plan. The joy of the Lord. How do we do that? All right. But you know what? The more we talked about it, the more we got into the idea, we, we really felt that God was leading us in that way. That, that the joy of the Lord makes a difference in how you do ministry. <laughs> do you think so? 
You think the joy of the Lord in a person's life has any impact on how they do what they do? You better believe it. Yeah. The joy of the Lord in our lives is the key to us being who Jesus wants us to be. <laughs> I've taught them these things so they would be full of my joy. And so as we talk about ministry with Chinese, yeah, if we're full of the joy of the Lord, guess what? When we're interacting and we're doing Bible studies and, and we're sharing the gospel and we're, we're caring for them and helping them find housing and, and doing all kind of things that we did and do, if the joy of the Lord is the key element in our lives and is coming through in all of those times, God uses that in evangelism to draw people to himself. But he also uses it in the life of the believer. Because as we live out the joy of the Lord, I think the joy of the Lord is not only uh, evident, but it also is renewed and refreshed in us as we're living in that level if you're finding through the teaching of Jesus that uh, you are feeling condemned and guilty and overwhelmed, I don't really think you're hearing what he had to say. I think we get things mixed in with his teaching sometimes that aren't really accurate. Because his goal was that his teaching would lead you to a life of joy. A fullness of joy. Now, that doesn't mean that you're just saying, when life is hard, you say, ha, 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 ha. No, that's, that's neurotic. That's crazy. Okay. Yeah. What is joy? I was listening to a pastor this morning, actually, talking about joy. And I thought he should say what I'm going to tell you right now. He didn't. But anyway, I'm not going to tell you who that pastor was. What he said was good. Don't get me wrong. But I just as I've been thinking about this, I was thinking about, and I'll tell you how it happened to me this week. I got kind of a fresh picture of this whole thing. I was at the pastor's conference on Monday, and uh, they had an emphasis on prayer, and uh, one of the times that you were just to listen and be completely quiet, there were over 200 people in the room, and everybody was quiet, really were, they were, for 15 minutes. Yeah, so we were just listening. What is God saying to you? And, uh, you know, <laughs> we, and then we had a sharing group, and at the end I said, you know, I didn't really hear anything. You know, there's times maybe I would have tried to sound more spiritual and say, well, yeah, I heard all this. I mean, I just, you know, it's, be honest, right? But I did have a sense, of course, of what God says is true. And that is, be still and know that I am God. I mean, I mean, hear a word from God, but I had a sense of his presence, a sense of his awesomeness. Well, then after that, we had a second time of 15 minutes, and we were supposed to be kind of trying to listen or think about what God might be saying he wants us to do. And uh, somebody had said something about breathing in and breathing out. And um, I don't know, it just kind of stuck in my mind. And as I was praying, I had this picture in my mind of the fruit of the Spirit. All right. And what went through my mind was, you know, we, if we have the Spirit of God within us, which we do, through receiving Jesus Christ, then we have access, constant access, to the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 2.20. You know what they all are? I, I usually get them mixed up. Peace, or love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. I think I got them all. All right. All right. 
Thank you very much. <laughs> so, so I'm thinking about this breathing in and breathing out thing, and I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to kind of try to do that while I'm praying here. I'm going to breathe out stuff that isn't love and breathe in love. I'm going to breathe out the stuff that I'm maybe inside of me that's not patient or peaceful or gentle and breathe in the other things. Now, you know, it's not like I'm really breathing it in. I mean, you know what I mean, but it's the concept. And it kind of freed me in lots of ways of thinking about the fact, of course, joy is one of those fruit of the Spirit. That's what I want to really get to right here. Okay, it is not something we produce by just being happy and crazy. All right, it, it, it's a fruit of the Spirit. It's something that God grows in us through the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. But the growth has to happen as we are open to it. As we do, I do, and I think the Lord was really speaking to my heart. You know, as I do breathe out the stuff that might resist that, all right, my looking dourly at things or getting overwhelmed with life or whatever it might be, and I breathe that out, and I breathe in what I already have, by the way, what I already have access to, and that is the fruit of the Spirit, joy. And of course, you can do that with the others too. And I can do that with confidence and live in that because Jesus says that's why he taught us, all he did. Dear friends, Jesus prayed for his disciples, prayed for us, to the Father, reminding the Father that he was with us in this world so that we would be filled with his joy. <laughs> what a wonderful promise. You feel a little bit down, got a lot of stuff going on. And dear friends, there, as Pastor Seth prayed this morning, there are times, certainly we, we do rejoice with those who rejoice, but there are times when we mourn with those who are mourn, mourning too. I mean, it's certainly not appropriate. And the Proverbs say a dangerous thing is to be laughing and making jokes when somebody's mourning. It's not a good thing. It's, it's inappropriate. But we still can be living in joy even in the times of mourning. Because our joy is in the Lord. Back in uh, Nehemiah, after they had had a successful time of building the walls, there was the getting back to reading the Word of God. They had kind of lost connection with God's Word. And so the Word of God was being read and the people were convicted. And they were weeping. They were repenting. It was a very significant spiritual time. But the word of the Lord came to them. And you know what the word of the Lord was? Don't keep crying. Don't keep sad. Be joyful. And that's where that scripture says, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. <laughs> that's a wonderful passage. Certainly God was involved as they were convicted and they needed to repent, and they needed to be crushed in their spirit as far as living without the Lord. But God doesn't want us to stay there. He wants us to come out of that repentance and that renewal in a spirit of joy. Because that's where our strength is. The joy, now, not the joy you cook up, right? But the joy of the Lord. Now, don't get too nervous. I'm not getting real crazy here, but God spoke to me this morning. 
You say, Pastor, what in the world are you talking about? Did you have this voice from, no, I didn't have a voice from God, boom, boom. But I was reading God's Word. And I happened to be in this one section, and I read it, and it touched me, and I thought about it. And then I went to this other app I was using on prayer, and it took me into a, another verse that commented on that. And I said, wow, Lord, I heard from you. That's what I mean, God spoke to me this morning. Right? Jesus said, I taught these things, right, that their joy would be full, that, that they'd be full of my joy. If I'm in the Word of God, He's speaking to me. And my joy is enriched because of His presence. You know, it was like, wow, God's here. Now, I've heard that before, but every time it happens... I still find joy to know that he's real. Today is fresh. So Jesus gets into this, and we're going to get to that. I'm, not, I'm probably getting ahead of myself here. We're going to talk about the Word of God in just a moment. But before we do so, let's uh, hit, the, hit the next part of this, this prayer. He says, I have given them your Word. Of course, he talks about that there, and we'll get into that a little bit more. But he says, the world hates them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. He prays for them to be protected by the Father from the evil one. Keep them safe from the evil one. Jesus prayed that, of course, in the, in the Lord's Prayer, didn't he? He taught us to pray, right? All right, keep us, deliver us, actually, from evil. Yeah. Uh, we've talked about this before. We don't need to be afraid of Satan getting us back uh, once we've received Jesus. We have the victory in Christ. But we also need to realize that we don't have strength on our own to defeat and fight the things of Satan. We need protection. And we have it. The good news is you do have it. You have the Spirit of God. You have access to the one who has won the victory for you in Christ. But that doesn't mean that the devil is going to leave you alone. Matter of fact, if you know what I'm talking about, many times after you've received Christ and you're walking with him, you find a lot more temptation. You find a lot more struggle with sin. I, I remember as a new believer and talking with other new believers, I mean, sometimes we feel like we're not even saved because we seem to be struggling with sin more than we ever did. That's because we didn't care before. But the Spirit of God's in our life, and now we suddenly realize that there are things in our life that God needs to work on. And, and there is real sin in our lives that he wants to work on. And, of course, the devil side of that, he tries to play on that, and he says, well, look how rotten you are. Jesus said, I died for him or her. He prays for us. Yeah, but we need to be protected, don't we? We need the Spirit of God. We need the Word of God to keep our minds and our hearts protected from the evil one. Because our minds will take us places that can be discouraging. You know, the devil can't get you back on his team, but he certainly can discourage you. He can certainly kind of weigh you down with life and with your perspectives on yourself so that you wouldn't be as effective as you truly can be in the victory that Christ provides. Jesus prays for this. Prays for the Father. Protect those who are his. 
See, the way of knowing the fullness of Jesus' joy or doing what he wants us to do is by following the love and the care of the Father. And we can be encouraged as we go as witnesses to those who are lost and far from God, that even though the evil one, the devil, will try to discourage us, Jesus has prayed to the Father to keep us safe. The third thing here today I want to look at is a key to our spiritual safety and strength is in knowing the Word of God. I mentioned that a little bit already, but Jesus prays here as he continues on that make them holy by your truth, teach them your word, which is truth. You've probably heard this before, but the word holy means to be set apart for special use, right? Many times we think it means to be perfect, and it really is in God's sense. I mean, God is perfect, and, and we will be perfect. We've been made perfect in principle by what Jesus has done in our position. We're certainly being made perfect in our sanctification, and ultimately, we will be completely perfect in our glorification when we're with Him again someday. But sometimes in this sanctification process, and we know we're not perfect, we can kind of get bogged down with this whole idea of being holy, and we think, oh, well, we're not there, and we just give up. But that's not what Jesus is praying about. I mean, the word holy, as I mentioned, is to be separated unto God. It's, it's basically that God has set us apart. He has chosen us to be his. We're his, and he has a special plan for us, and he wants to use us. Now, we have a part in that, right? We have a part to allow him to continue to work in us to keep this vessel appropriate to be used, all right? Remember, your bodies are not your own. They've been bought with a price. They belong to Jesus, all right? Just as the elements in the temple, right, have been sanctified and kept clean for the use of God. So we as his body, we as those he will use to bring himself glory, we too need to be in the word. We, we need to let his word here purify us. All right, doesn't mean we're perfect yet. We're in the process, all right? If you say you're perfect already, you're probably in a bad place <laughs> because you're going to fail, and then what do you do, all right? I mean, there are some who would say, oh, we've been made perfect already. Well, that certainly isn't a biblical position, all right? We will be. We have been positionally. We're being made perfect now as we live, as the Spirit works in us, and we will be perfect when we're with Him. But that's what the Bible teaches, yeah. So in this calling to be made holy, as Jesus prays to the Father, he says, make them holy. <laughs> we, we need to be made holy, all right? We, we need God to work in our lives. And how does he do it? By your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. If you've accepted Christ as your Savior... You've already been set apart from God, by God. You've been made different from the world around you. Now, again, he's at work. There's still some world stuff <laughs> that maybe we deal with, temptations and thoughts and things that were part of us before being a Christian or all of the influence of the world around us. It is strong. We're getting hit with it all the time. So it doesn't mean we have it all together. But it does mean that we have what we need to move forward. And it's found in God's Word. We have His Word. It's truth. You know, I, I, I remember uh, th just this year, actually, I'm, I'm in the Rotary Club, you know that, and, and we have a, um, 
an essay contest. And uh, the, the last couple of years, the essay contest has been writing an essay on what is truth and how do you know it. Interesting to hear ninth graders write about that. And basically what I'm hearing, and I, as I listen to those, and, I, and very intelligent kids, and I just love what they do. On the other hand, the culture is definitely a piece of what they're writing. And the writing basically is, yes, truth is something you discover as you try to figure out if somebody's telling the truth or not, and you have to do all kind of uh, relational interaction. And all. There, there never gets to a place where you can say with authority, this is truth which I expected to hear as the writings went on. Um, basically, their definitions of finding truth and believing that there is truth and there is falsehood is right. But the problem is, what's the standard? Where do you base what you say is truth? Is it just on what you feel or what? And of course, it was kind of interesting to hear because the, the writings basically are talking about the fact that I can tell if it's truth if it just doesn't seem right to me. Well, well, how do you determine that? Well, I know how you determine that. God's already made us in his image, and we have a sense of right and wrong. But nobody's talking about him. Okay. And again, I'm not trying to put these kids down, all right? I'm just saying this is the culture we live in. Um, the great word that we have from Jesus here <laughs> is that we do have truth. We have God's word. Whether anybody else believes that or not doesn't change it. It still is the truth. God's word. And, and I will base my life on his word. That's something you need to say in your own heart and mind. His word is truth. There's a lot of mixed up going on. And I don't believe we have to go out there and thump people with a Bible on their head. That's not what I'm talking about. But we do need to live by it ourselves. And we do need to speak it into people's lives when God gives opportunity. Not in a militant way or a disrespectful way. That's certainly not how Jesus did it. He was pretty tough on the religious leaders that way, don't get me wrong. But when he was dealing with the world, he certainly was showing compassion and love and, and wanting them to come to truth, and he is the truth, and they saw it in him. And that's to be seen in us as his representatives. But for us to maintain a life of truth is to be found by being in the Word of God. We are being made holy to become more and more like Christ through the impact of the Word of God in our lives. So we need to allow God to teach us his word if we are to experience what Jesus prayed for. We find this by reading his word, as I mentioned earlier, personal experience today even. We find this by opening ourselves to situations where we're being taught the word of God. Many of you, I see you here uh, at different times uh, in small groups or in uh, Bible studies, getting involved deeper in the Word of God. It's a good thing. And, and there's opportunities here if you will look for them. And certainly we find it by asking God to help us to understand and to apply His Word and to obey it. As I've heard somebody say, and I think I've shared it here before, sin will keep us from the Word, and the Word will keep us from sin. 
We need to be in the Word. I, I read this passage Wednesday night to the uh, youth who were here for the Awana Awards. And uh, it's a great one from Proverbs 119, verses 9 and 11. We talk about being holy, when we talk about being made holy by God's Word, and it says, how can a young person stay pure? By obeying your Word. And the psalmist goes on and says, I have hidden your Word in my heart that I might not sin against you. What's the hope for any of us? To really be who God wants us to be. To get His Word inside of us and live by it and let Him change us. All right, and then the next piece I want to look at here in this prayer is that Jesus prays for his disciples to go into the world. You get that there as we get to verse 18. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. Notice the progression here in this prayer. Just in today's section, Jesus prays for the fullness of his joy the protection of the Father, the teaching of the Word by the Father, and now the sending of the disciples. It's, a, it's an appropriate progression because we need to be full of the joy of the Lord. We need to know the Father's protection as we go. We need to be in the Word of God and have the Word a part of us as we take His gospel to others. And now he talks about the sending of the disciples. They're all preparatory and important and the disciples going with the gospel. Now Jesus tells the Father that he's going to send his disciples into the world just as he had been sent. So that begs the question, how did the Father send Jesus? Well, he sent him from heaven to earth. Well, he's not sending us from heaven to earth. We're already here. But Jesus' example of giving up his position to go where the need is, to take care of the need of mankind to share God's love with them, is the example for us. He also came to show the Father to humanity. The Father sent Jesus to his own. They did not receive him. So Jesus sends his disciples, calling them from what they'd been doing, to leave that and to go to preach the gospel to the whole world. He sends the Holy Spirit to be in them so they can show a life changed by God and who he really is. And he sends them to their own, the Jews. But like Jesus, they were rejected and arrested and eventually all died. But as the Jews rejected the gospel, they were sent into all the world. And today we are recipients of the wonder of the gospel as they were faithful to God's calling. And as Jesus' disciples, so are we to take the gospel to others. Finally, in this section, Jesus prays for his disciples to be made holy. We've discussed this a little bit already, but that's how he closes this section. And he says, I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. We celebrated communion today. We, we were reminded again of the fact that our lives are made holy new, our relationship with the Father is made possible, our sin is washed away because of Jesus. He came. He, he sanctified himself. He, he, he gave up what rights he had. 
He gave himself to be the perfect sacrifice. So, as he says here, we should be made holy by the truth of God. Jesus is the Lamb of God who has come to take away the sin of the world. He's the perfect holy sacrifice. He cannot be made holy unless God does it. You cannot make yourself holy. You cannot make yourself acceptable to God. You cannot become a perfect person in God's sight on your own. Just try. You will fail. Because that's not who we are. The good news of the gospel is that God recognizes that and doesn't give up on us. And he doesn't say, too bad for you. But he goes all the way to the cross because he loves you. And that message is the message not only do we know for ourselves and celebrate, and that's why we can say, woohoo, I want to worship God because of what he's done. But it's also the message we take to others. They might not receive it, but they need it. <laughs> That's the passion of Jesus. He came, and he sends us to be his light to others. And the key to it all is a changed life. As we are being made holy through God's word, by the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, through the the testimony of Jesus in our lives, for the assurance of our forgiveness and, and the fact that he's at work. Then he uses us to touch others. But it has to be through him. I told you I'm going to begin a series on the book of Hebrews coming up soon. Uh, and so I was reading again in that, that book, and in Hebrews 12 too, we're told that Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith. And it says in that very section that the key to us running the race, us running as God wants us to, is to keep our eyes on him. He's the author. He brings the new life to us. But he's also the perfecter and finisher of our faith. He's also at work making sure it keeps going. Remember we talked about that last week. You know, the assurance that we can have that God's got a plan, that, that he is going to present us someday faultless before his throne. He, he's at work that that's going to happen. See, the heart of Jesus is for his disciples. Dear believer, Jesus has prayed to the Father for disciples to be filled with his joy, to be protected by the Father from the evil one, to be taught God's word, to go into the world and to be made holy. Everything we need to be his in this world and to be all that he wants us to be, he has provided and prayed for <laughs> And just like breathing, we need to breathe out the bad air and breathe in the good to stay alive. We need to breathe out all the other stuff and to breathe in the wonder of the Spirit's fruit in our lives regularly. And in it, we find joy. In it, we find fulfillment. In it, we find calling. In it, we find the fact that he makes us holy and uses us as his holy people, his separated people. Not to be separated from the world and stand in a corner and hope they all go away. 
Didn't he pray that? I'm not asking, Father, you take them out of the world. I'm asking you to protect them from the evil one. We're to be out there. And you are. You go to work. You live in your community. You go to school. You know, you're out there. We're, we're supposed to be. That's God's plan. We come here to get encouraged, to be taught his word. But we're out there to be his so that others can be too. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for the prayer of Jesus. We, again, recognize how weak we are and desperate we are for your work in our hearts and our lives. But we thank you that you have provided all that we need to live a holy life, to be a joyful witness to a world that even though it hates him and us, desperately needs Jesus and is loved by him. We open ourselves afresh to you. And thank you for your love. In Jesus' name, amen.